0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief. Joining me is Omar, can you pronounce your last name? I don't want to miss. it. Chouker, uh, CFO at Trintech. We're going to be talking about an acquisition that Trintech made recently. Um, this is LinkedIn Live. This is where Tearsheet uh, takes our podcast, which we've been doing for over a decade, um, and does it live instead of recorded form. We'd kind of open up the studio walls to have a live conversation with some experts in the field. And Omar is gracious to join us today. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Of, first of all, uh, glad to have you here, Omar. Thanks for joining us today. Sure. Thanks, Zach. Good to be um, here. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Trintech. Um, Tell us about the firm.
1: Sure. So uh, Trintech is uh, based in uh, Dallas, Texas. We're a global business, and we're a SaaS software company that provides uh, services to the office of the CFO. And uh, as, as a lot of people know, the office of the CFO is, you know, really uh, – been under a lot of intense uh, pressure since COVID and you know the lack of personnel and you know, competent personnel, et cetera. So we offer software solutions to streamline a lot of mundane and uh, manual tasks that uh, companies go through each uh, each week and every month uh, trying to close the books.
0: And so, if you're targeting the office of the CFO, it sounds like you're also targeting organizations that have a CFO. So they're, they're on the larger side of, of enterprise, or what? What, we, right. what do you target? So, target customers? Yeah. So,
1: so we target. Uh, we have two. Uh, we have two really uh, segments. One is uh, enterprise, and mm-hmm. the other one we refer to as commercial. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, we have uh, two products. One is a Cadency, and that's really focused on large enterprise. And, you know, we do business with about half of the Fortune uh, 100 companies across the world. So we're a global business. Wow. We do about 70% of our business is uh, North America, and the other 30% is uh, in EMEA and uh, Asia Pacific. And so uh, the... Enterprise business is about 80% of our revenue and about 20% of our revenue is what we call commercial. And we typically kind of break that between uh, $2 billion of revenue and higher is uh, enterprise and $2 billion and less is uh, is commercial.
0: So you made an acquisition recently of, of Fiserv's reconciliation business. Love to hear first about what that is, actually specifically North American EMEA. Um, one of the things that we've we've talked about on our podcast is just like, there seems to be the industry is waiting, you know, for some consolidation, waiting for these m activities to happen. It hasn't quite happened yet. Um, valuations haven't come quite down, at least from the buyer's perspectives. Um, to, tell us a little bit about why you made that acquisition. I'm also curious to know, like, was it opportunistic or were you guys actually looking to go out after go after that type of business? Right. So so we're
1: I've been here about four years and we're owned by, uh, you know, two uh, large, uh, very uh, high-end technology investors on the on the uh, PE side, and uh, you know we we've looked at dozens of deals over the last four years, and uh, you know before COVID and after COVID, and we just couldn't find uh, you know the exact right fit. They were adjacent markets that we had, but they weren't exactly what we were, you know, doing or looking for. And then actually there was uh, these two, well, actually one one business, the frontier business that we acquired was a company that we identified, you know, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were able to monitor that company. We actually, you know, went to the Fiserv team and said, hey, we'd be interested in looking at this asset. So this particular, these two particular assets were not necessarily on the market, if you will. So we source those ourselves mm. and, uh, we looked at them and realized that, you know, the banking, the financial institution insurance market is a, is a great vertical for us. It's a vertical that needs a lot of processing and automation, just given the regulatory, you know, uh, needs that they have and the fact that you know most of a lot of them are public companies and you know have sarbanes oxley and if they're not they all have very high you know control you know environments etc so so this one worked out really well for us and it turned out that there were actually two entities so one was frontier and the other one was accurate and uh, we were able to uh, negotiate a uh, a deal with uh, the visor team and we're ecstatic that we were able to get it closed about 30 days ago
0: wow well congratulations on that and um I, I guess I'll double click on that a little bit. So, so why now um, as opposed to four years ago or a year from right.
1: now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And and a lot of people, you know, look and say, well, Hey, you know, there's been this dearth of M&A deals over the last 18 to 24 months, given the valuations, the uncertainty, the volatility in the market and rising interest rates, et cetera. Our view is that you just cannot time the market, right? You know, it's impossible. Time like a true market.
0: investor. Yeah.
1: And, and, and these businesses are, uh, Exactly in our fairway. This is exactly what we do. We do it in and out. We've done it for you know 15 to 20 years. So it's a blue chip customer uh, list. You know, great, great technology, great employees, and it just fits. You know, fits perfectly into what we were doing. So, you know, granted, you know, the interest rates are a little higher than uh, what you know people would like, but we were, uh, you know, we were able to get some uh, uh, four very, very well regarded. Uh, direct lenders to come in and invest with the company. So uh, they saw the benefit of the business model. They saw the benefit of the uh, the acquisition, et cetera. So granted, uh, you know, the interest rates are a little bit higher than what we expected, you know, but, you know, there's always opportunity for us to refinance, uh, you know, in the future, you know, I think this high interest rate, you know, environment that we're in, it is what it is, but mm-hmm. it won't always be this way. And as we are in the future, we think that it will, uh, you know, it, it will, uh, it will, it will calm down at some point.
0: Sounds like you've been through a few cycles, Omar.
1: I have, and and, that, and that's what gives me the confidence to know that you know it will change.
0: Um, what's interesting for us, I think, is also uh, what what I'd love to hear what some of the challenges were um, and the opportunities. Sounds like you were you were looking for an acquisition anyway. You've been looking for a few years, but maybe you can give us some uh, some of the um, some of the feedback that you found in the market. Uh, you mentioned some right. some of the challenges like interest rates or Um, valuations, but maybe we can talk about sort of the dynamics of deal making right now.
1: Right. So, so it's interesting, you know, I I would say at the onset, you know, Zach, the most important, the most important piece in the deal is your relationships, Mm -hmm. right? And it's your relationships with your, with your investment bankers, it's the relationships with your commercial, with your, your investors, and it's the relationship with your attorneys. And, you know, we can kind of walk through, you know, all three of those, but, you know, we, uh, we needed lots of help. And this was a pretty complicated, you know, transaction in the sense that it was what they call a carve out transaction. And uh, so, you know, we got the customer list and we got, you know, 80 really, really great, you know, very competent employees. But a lot of the back office work uh, is now going to come on behalf of the company. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's typically what they call a carve out. So anytime there's a carve out, that uh, is involved. It just adds another circle of complexity to the diligence, to the legal work, et cetera. So, I would say that was one complex one complex way. Well, why expect.
0: is that, Omar? Because a lot of the back office stuff at Fiserv had probably had some level of consolidation. I guess there that had to separate yeah. the parts from each other. Okay, we had to separate the
1: sense. parts, right? So, for example, you know, we got some really good managers of the business. We got all the R and D. We got all the implementation work. We got customer success, but we did not get any accounting people, financial reporting people, Hmm. sales operations, et cetera. So all those back office, uh, you know, uh, personnel, we have to now, you know, step in. And the one thing I would say about that is that the good news is that, you know, we, you know, we kind of practice what we preach. So we like to think we have a really good tech stack in terms of our, you know, Salesforce and Zora and all our order to cash and our, our ERP and our FP&A tools. So we were ready to uh, to digest and integrate a business like this because we had made those investments in the past in terms of being ready, you know, to uh, to take on additional revenue
0: and additional people, et cetera. So are, uh, so that was yeah, important. That's awesome. Um, I'm kind of curious, also, like we've certainly reported not necessarily at the enterprise level, the larger clients that you're talking about, that you, that you serve like 80% of your client base, I think you said was. Um, yes. But we have, we have written and, and reported a lot on sort of like this next generation corporate spend, um, you know, the Brex's and the ramps of this world. Do you bump into companies like that, work, you know, at that level or? or... Uh,
1: we, 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 I, I'm familiar with them, but we really mm-hmm. haven't. And I guess I would say the market that we're operating in, Zach, is about a $20 billion TAM. And, uh, you know, it's it's a huge opportunity for technology software companies like us. And and the reason is that most companies have like a an ERP, if you will, you know, whether it's a NetSuite or Microsoft uh, Dynamics, et cetera. And what we are able to do is come in and, and integrate and have APIs into these, which completely automates matching. because yeah, I,
0: I know what it's like creation. at our small business at Tearsheet, you know, reconciliation at the end of the month. It's crazy, you know, the tiny business. Yeah. And,
1: and I think and I think what's happened is the 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 CFOs have now realized that there's really there's really ROI to the investment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to play out the ROI in spades. And that coupled with the fact that it's just very difficult to get competent, uh, you know, accounting folks. I mean, just as an example, there are a couple of large companies just in the last 30 days that had to re- have a report a material weakness because they were unable to find, you know, competent, you know, uh, accounting and, and FP&A personnel. So wow. that's like, that's never happened ever. I can, I've, really? I've done this wow. for a long time. I've never seen that happen. So that just is a, is and there were a
0: few of these point. types of companies.
1: I think there were one or two companies that uh-huh. we saw that actually had material weaknesses. And these are big, you know, public companies that have had mm-hmm. that. So that's a very, you know, it's a sobering signal that it's really hard to get people and there's fewer kids going into uh, these college, uh, you know, uh, uh, these college uh, programs with mm-hmm. accounting and finance. So it just makes it more difficult for for office for officers in the CFO space and controllers. But that's why I think they need our services because we can automate and help them, you know, get through the the mundane and uh, manual tasks.
0: I have to imagine um, the office of CFO has even with an ERP cobbled together lots of different packages, um, like a spaghetti mess of lots of things going on, and maybe a lot of middleware in there. I guess to get things to talk to one another. How does Trintech help to, I guess, simplify things for them?
1: Well, I think a, a couple of things. So we like to go in and, and really understand that what's 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 really the pain points. And if we can mm-hmm. understand really what the top four or five pain points are, we can come in and really automate a lot of these manual processes. I think the other thing that a lot of maybe folks maybe not fully realize is that a lot of these larger companies they have dozens of ERPs. They just don't have one. Right. They have numerous, they've done, you know, 10, 15 acquisitions. I mean, our deal is kind of small, but if you think about these large companies, pharmaceutical companies, financial institutions, I mean, they're doing MA or they had been doing MNA, you know, rapid fire. And so unfortunately they have to, they can't shut down a, a large ERP over a matter of six to 12 months so there's multiple ERPs and then they have, uh, you know, they have all the operational work that they have to do in terms of, you know, metrics and, you know, KPIs, et cetera. So there's a lot that's hitting them. And I think we can come in and just help them with stuff that we know how to do day in and day out.
0: And do, is there a land and expand type strategy to, to address the office of CFO? Do you come in with like one addressing one specific pain point for them and typically then expand out or, or are they just kind of ripping it all out and saying, hey, we, we've hit a wall? Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a good question. So typically on the enterprise customers, it is a land and expand because it can be difficult to choke down a lot of this change up front. And I think the one the one piece that we really stress to the, uh, the executives is that your business process will probably change. Right. And if you are used That's to doing the something, thing, the right? old, if you are used to doing something the old way, it's like a it's like a, a circle and a square peg. It sometimes doesn't work. And that is probably one of the the biggest issues that we deal with is that you have to change your business processes and able to fully realize the benefit on the digital transformation side. Right. And that has to happen. The other thing I'll say, Zach, is that we have a pretty extensive uh, group of uh, partners and these are, you know, integration partners and, you know, the big four partners, et cetera. So, you know, there's there's we just don't have the, you know, the staff to fully build out and implement these programs. So we've got a lot, we've got, you know, really strong bench of partners that helps us with this and they can come in and help the customer with respect to their business processes
0: and design and flow charts, et cetera. Do they also resell your software as well? Those, the big four, uh, like we do you have a direct we, Salesforce and indirect.
1: We, we have a we have a direct sales force and then we uh, we leverage we've got about 30 to 35 percent of our uh, businesses our revenues enabled with partners and And we do have a few resellers, but for the most part it's a uh, direct and uh, partner led.
0: Um, we actually reported today um, I think it, the, it was the largest private loan in history in the. US. Um, Finastra, which is a banking software company to recover, um, I forget how much, it's not in front of me how much they raised, but it was all through the private markets, through, through a loan. It sounds like you, you financed this acquisition similarly. Um, wh- what's the dynamic out there in terms of uh, investors or lenders, I guess, willing to extend risk capital in, in this right. market?
1: You know, it's a really good question. And, uh, you know, if you, if you go back like 18 months, there's been a couple of really, really high, uh, high profile uh, PE firms that have bought companies in the office of the CFO. And mm-hmm. there's a company called AnaPlan, and you know just mm-hmm. various companies. And there's some of the the, the best PE technology businesses, uh, you know, had have been pretty active, you know, over the last 24 months. And uh, many of them have have looked at the larger bulge banks, whether it's B of A or J P Morgan, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there's a separate group of banks called direct lenders, and mm-hmm. these direct lenders come in. And the key Zach is they're not they're not regulated, right? So they don't have to go into a big room with a, their credit committee and you know answer you know 350 questions about this or that. And they just have different uh, capital requirements, et cetera. So as a result, these direct lenders have really carved out a niche market for the private equity groups, and typically those are businesses that are you know cash flow you know they've got good business models they have good EBITDA margins they've got cash flow metrics and it's it's a solid business model especially on the SaaS side and that's the reason why they've been active and have been successful and that is the group mm. that we were able to tap for this uh, you know for the uh, funding.
0: That makes sense uh, we're getting near the end of our conversation um, I wanted maybe to, to change our perspective and look outwards like um, you said you've been through a few cycles. You have confidence that eventually, you know, we'll make it through interest rates will come down. What do you think the rest of this year looks like? 2024 looks like for your business?
1: Yeah, I think for our business, we, we're a we're a January year end. So we're almost through the first half and, you know, we had a good first half and we look to have a, a good second half. I think the one the one item I would say about the demand environment is that, you know, CFOs now and procurement departments are taking the longer to look at these transactions and validate the ROI. And they're just, it as a result it's making the the sales cycle extend a little beyond maybe where we had seen in the past. But at the end of the day, the good news is they are looking at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think once we have the opportunity to talk to them and they can see the ROI, I think that'll be fine. I think in terms of, you know, the S and P 500, I mean, I, I think people are very concerned about just earnings and, you know, where those earnings are going to come in in the second half of the year. There's been a lot of, you know, cost trimming and cost, you know, cost analysis. And I think that'll continue, you know, all the way through the end of this year and probably into next year. But I think at some point, uh, I think the M&A market will probably open up uh, sometime next year. Just given that it's a you know presidential election year and, you know, there's just been such a dearth of transactions over the last 24 months, I think the 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 backlog is pretty pretty big,
0: and particularly in fintech, which you know is our space um there is that gulf between you know what expectations were twenty twenty one versus where we are today hasn't quite been um you know the two sides haven't quite found a way to to forge that yet. I'm curious also just as an add on question before we go, is your business somewhat seasonal given the decision making cycles of your buyers?
1: It's uh, it's really not, but but the, the our fourth quarter is typically the largest you know quarter, and I think the reason why that is Zach is that people are coming into budgets. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you hear, I can't do it because I don't have budget. Well, guess what? You know, October, November, December, that's the time when people do have budgets. And I think they realize there's a lot of ROI. So that's when they, you know, they go into that. And I think, you know, you mentioned the financial institutions. There's just a tremendous amount of opportunity with all the digital banking and all these technology companies that are coming in. So we're uh, we're thrilled to have this opportunity to grow, you know, with Frontier and uh, Accurate.
0: Omar, thanks for joining us on the TearSheet live session, and congratulations on this acquisition. Sounds like it—you know—it was a lot of years in the making, and good luck going forward with it.
1: Good, thank you, and th- thanks for your time, Zach. Take care.
0: All the best, Omar.